Hey, Internet, it's Chase. When we recorded this podcast on Wednesday, we did not have the information that it would be OQ subbing in for Renegades this week. Obviously, OQ is a very good player and the kind of player that normally would shift our opinion on what we thought of a team, especially after we saw Joko do so much for the Unicorns of Love this week. However, in this particular situation, it doesn't really change our opinion of Renegades. Uh, the team has so many other problems outside of the 80-carry position right now, and they have a very tough schedule ahead of them this week. So we don't think it's going to shift anything too much. We are not opposed, however, if you decide to take a little bit of faith and take the money line against Immortals, if only because Immortals are overdue for Wild Turtle having a classic Wild Turtle game, and OQ could just straight up hard carry that kind of matchup if Adrian is forced into a sub-optimal champion. But honestly, it doesn't change much for us. We just want to let you guys know that we are aware of this news, so if you mention LOD or anything else like that during the Renegade section, now you know why. But with that said, enjoy the episode. Hello, Internet. This is Chase Redshirt King Wassenaar. I am the Editor-in-Chief for Imperial Esports, and welcome to a very special edition of the Rough Drafts Podcast. It is week three of the NALCS. Uh, if you went back two days ago, you got to hear us talk about all of the things we were excited about for the European LCS, and some talk about visa issues, which we're finding more and more details out as it's going along. We kind of feel like we said everything we wanted to say on the visa issues back in that podcast, so if you're curious what we think about that, listen to the first 15 minutes of that one. Uh, there's some news out recently about Liquid, uh, TSM, and Cloud9's involvement and all that. You're welcome to go check that out if you'd like. Highly recommend Richard Lewis's take on the subject, as well as Jacob Wolf, Josh Raven, and a few others who have come out and corroborated that story. It's a very interesting one, but it's not what we're going to get to today because we have three teams in Immortals, TSM, and Cloud9 that we are very excited to talk about. And of course, when I say we, I am referring to my good friend and writer for Slingshot Esports, Walter Ciades Fedchuk. Walter, how you doing, man? I'm I'm doing pretty good. I've had a had a nice day, kind of getting away from Europe and and focusing on North America. And well, as we're recording this, I'm finishing up my North American power rankings. So I'll I'll hearken back to some of them because that probably will be published before this is published. So go read them if you haven't already. And if they aren't up, then that's my fault. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, it's it's been nice. And I, I said in my European articles that Europe is a little bit more boring to me this year just because all the storylines that I grew up with, I guess, are all gone with Diamond and Edward finally having to, to go back to Russia because of the visa issues. So it's just kind of been boring to me. But North America is just... Oh, it's just a clown fiesta. It's amazing. I hate using that phrase. I wanted to use another one that has to have a bleep, but I'll go with clown fiesta instead. And it's just <laughs> delicious. It's it's so awesome to watch and just kind of watch as the world burns. It is incredible just going back through all of these games. You know, I try to watch all of them live and then I go through the highlights to kind of remind myself of what I saw, go through my notes and everything. And so many of these games, it's just like, I, I don't know what happened here. <laughs> I, do, I have no idea why things turned out this way. It certainly shouldn't have, but here we are. And I guess we're going to keep going from here. I, I mean, we saw a forfeit this week, people. Like, this is where we are. We are seeing forfeits due to an inability to submit a roster. We haven't seen that since Lemon Dogs. Lemon <laughs> Dogs! This is, I mean... If Such that's player, not, much wow. If that's not Cloud Fiesta, I don't know what is. But you know what isn't a Cloud Fiesta? The first team we're going to talk about today, Immortals. Uh, certainly, Adrian was immortal for the vast majority of these first four games. Uh, the rest of his team did a ton of interesting things to get themselves going. Walter, when you're watching this team, what are you noticing that's really helped put them ahead of the rest of the pack in North America right now? Well, it's primarily been two things. Uh, it's been Adrian uh, being allowed to play Jana all four games and play his... Honestly, he's probably the best in the West at this sort of disengage support play style. 
So I'm, I'm remembering a very particular instance against uh, against TSM where there's a fight behind the dragon pit and and they're about to kill Hooney and Adrian just makes these great tornadoes and this great monsoon that basically breaks up a fight. Uh, Hooney's able to flash or I think he was playing Fiora so he dashes over the wall and then Immortals just like cleans up the rest of that team fight and his ultimates have just been so perfectly timed where he's waiting till that very last second where his teammate finally needs him and he just swoops in like Superman's like I got this alts disrupts the entire team fight and then Immortals re-engage onto that team fight and and get a bunch of kills and send their opponent scattering and it's really it's really awesome that he's doing it. It's also terrible preparation by every single one of their opponents to not ban Janna. Because he's proven that he can play two champions in this disengaged play style really, really well. Janna and Alistar. And it's almost ridiculous that you're allowing him one of these two champions every single game. Yeah, I was amazed by TSM's pick ban in that game one. Uh, Elise, Lulu, Rise. Uh, some of these are power picks, and I understand why you would you know, want to take them away to a certain extent. But they left both the Janna and the Alistar open. So you knew that Adrian was going to feel very comfortable. And honestly, the same, you know, NRG, they're like, look, we'll have Alistar and everything will be fine. And Immortals is like, ha, Janna, we're fine. This is, this is not a problem for us. And if you were going to pick it, why not ban the Janna? It seems like it's so easy to at least try to force him to prove that he can play in a different way. Especially when you think about how the rest of this team is built, right? Because it does seem like, you know, we can say tons and tons of things about how good Adrian's been, but, you know, it's, it's been Wild Turtle, Poe Belter, and Hooney really taking advantage of those opportunities, right? Yeah, no, I, I would say that Adrian has enabled, enabled Wild Turtle especially and, and Hooney and Rainover to play these super aggressive style during team fights where they're constantly diving the back line. Uh, Wild Turtle isn't like dashing into the enemy team as far. He's not like dashing over tanks. He's, he's using his, his Valkyries and his, his Lucian dashes and going more at like a diagonal side approach to, to get damage into the back line while Adrian protects him from any sort of, any sort of frontline dive. Um, but I think the other thing that's been really interesting about Immortals has been their way of almost building two compositions at once during, during their pick-ban phase. And I'm going to bring up the energy game in particular because they make this very aggressive, in-your-face, engaged style where you have Rengar, where you have Lissandra, where you have Zed, where you have these three champions that can, that can flank, that can just leap onto squishy carries. And energy had three squishy carries playing this really strong poke composition. But by having Zed, by having Rengar, by having Lissandra, they can also play a split push composition. They can play a three, a, a one three one split push composition just by having Jonna to disengage that that three man ball. And mm-hmm. you can use Lissandra to disengage. You can use Rengar to disengage uh, with his bowlers while Zed and Lissandra or Zed and Rengar are split pushing. And they've done this in almost every single game where they have these two two compositions where they can very easily switch back and forth between what they're doing and basically just play off of their opponent's weaknesses. <laughs> Energy's major weakness was getting caught in team fights outside of towers. If they could not set up a siege and lay down some poke, they were screwed. And part of it was also the impact played very strangely, where in some of these team fights, he was engaging onto Lissandra or Zed before they entered the team fight, instead of sitting back with his carries, waiting for them to engage and then peeling them, then you know holding him down. Mm-hmm. So he would go and engage onto Lissandra, but Pobelter would be able to shadow in alt do the Zed thing where he bounces around two different shadows and get out and get one kill on, on GBM or onto Alltech while Impact is trying to hold down Lissandra. Conversely, he would try and hold down Pobelter Zed, and then Lissandra would come in and just do the same thing. So they're playing really, really cerebrally, not only in their pick and ban phase, but during the course of the game and using the champions that they've picked in multiple different ways. You know, Walter, we talked about, uh, I hate doing the Phil Simms thing, but sometimes you have to, you know, we talked about uh, how much the difference between a good team and a great team is the ability to find multiple ways to win games. And Immortals right now, more than any team, maybe in all of the West, seems to be embodying that the most. You look at their game against TSM, and even when they were falling behind in some team fights in the mid to late game, they always had 
the Olaf, the Fiora. They had these split-pushing threats. They had poke from Corky. They had multiple ways to kind of turn things around, and it never felt like they were out of the game as a result. They they were able to do enough, thanks to the Janna, that teamfights weren't going to go disastrously most of the time, but they also had pick power. They also had poke. They had split-push. They just always had an opportunity and an option to go for, no matter what TSM tried to cut off. And when it came to NRG, I mean, that was a whole nother level. You have Zed for the split push. You have Rengar for the for the pick composition and the burst. You have Lissandra for the, the pick opportunities that she has. And I have a lot of problems with NRG in that game. I thought their pick ban was not very good. I don't know why we have Maokai in this meta. It's not a good champion, especially not the way that Impact played it. He played uh, it like you would play any other aggressive top laner, and that's just not right at all. I I, I disagree, honestly. I think Energy's pick ban phase was fine. They just didn't properly execute it in the game. I think that's what it comes down to. Is there any chance that they actually got to set up a siege and poke down Immortals? They were very successful. Their only other problem was that they didn't have flank wards. Like, they never, they never warded their actual flanks. They put a pink ward behind them so Rengar couldn't get around behind, but they were playing far enough in front of it that Rengar could just ult them straight head-on, and Lissandra and Zed could come from, flank, you know, come from the sides, come from the alleys inside where, where, like, wolves are and where, like, race are. They could come from either of those entrances into mid lane, especially because that was where uh, energy focused most of their sieges were in the mid lane. So it was just, it was just not executing their composition very well. I don't think the, the picks really were a huge problem. I mean, I'll put it like this. Uh, Maokai is a tank that likes to scale up to the late game. Nidalee is a jungle assassin that likes to get as much early game advantage as possible. Varus is, you know, and Corky have some weird poke thing. So I, it, I, I didn't like what they were going for. It felt like a, like a poke comp uh, that just didn't have the pieces it needed. The way that they played it certainly didn't help. But right now, I-, I would much rather have had some sort of split pushing threat or some sort of extra, you know, real damage piece. And I, I think you could tell early just how many kills Wild Turtle was able to get in the early game and how quickly that Zed was able to come online. They just had no answer for it. And it it got out of hand really quickly. And you could say that maybe that was just execution, but I really do feel like (laughs) there were picks they could have made that would have been better counters to what Immortals were doing. But again, maybe, you know, at the end of the day, you say, well, how do you counter Immortals? You know, when you have this disengage, when you have, you know, a jungler who can, you know, have that more aggressive style. He's playing these Olafs and these Rengars that can run at you and have damage in their own right. You have, you know, Huni playing, you know, both aggressive and utility kind of top laners. I think his Lissandra proved that he knows how to use things like that, both aggressively and defensively. And, and Poe Belcher's finally stepping up and showing some deeper aspects of his champion pool. I mean, what do you attack? If you're, if you're coaching against Immortals this week, what do you do? You have to attack. Adrian, you have to go after Adrian because this has been a long-standing criticism of him that he is not good on anything besides disengaged supports, and there are two of them, Alistar and Janna. So I think in the future, not this week because Immortals is playing Echo Fox and Renegades, <laughs> but I think in the future, you, you really need to attack Adrian. You have to ban him out of his champions. You have to just ban the Janna, and if you're blue side, you have to take the Alistar. Or if you're red side, you have to leave up a pick that you're sort of comfortable with them taking so you can get the Alistar or ban it. Like, I would send two bans at Adrian and kind of shrug my shoulders and go, what do you got, buddy? Because he's not a great Braum player. We've never seen him play Trundle. We've never seen him play Poppy. Those would probably be the two champions that he would resort to. But we haven't seen him really be successful on anything else. And like you've said, Wild Turtle, even though he's only played two champions, we know he can play a ton of different different AD carries. Pole Belter has shown that he's expanding his champion pool, and I think Huni and Rainover can play literally any champion in the game in their respective roles. Like, if Huni played top lane Sona, it wouldn't surprise me. Like, he pulled out Cho'Gath. Who, did anyone expect to see a Cho'Gath played this year? Like, I didn't. I didn't <laughs> randomly expect to see a Cho'Gath play in the top lane, and granted, it's a, it's a very solid counter to Rise, um, but 
But I, still. I, yeah, but still, like, I, okay, he played Cho'Gath. He last picked Cho'Gath into Rise. Okay. And Misfortune. I guess that was more intelligent. But, uh, yeah, I, I think you have to challenge Adrian. You have to take the game to him and, and make him play a different kind of style. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. The problem that you're going to run into is, unfortunately, uh, with the number of power picks that are available, you know, you talk about some disengaged supports. You know who's really good at disengaging? Tom Kench who you have to be banning pretty much all the time because all he has to do is use that W and all of the damage you are planning on putting on the AD carry is no longer relevant. So that's a problem. So now what? You're trying to ban Janna, Alistar, and Tom Kench? Well, congratulations. Now Elise is getting through. Graves is getting through. Gangplank is getting through. Lulu is going getting through. You sacrifice so much by trying to do that. And oh, by the way, I think a poppy hammer is Adrian's wet dream. Like, oh man, you mean I get to remove one person <laughs> immediately from the fight as far away as possible? This sounds amazing. Until until he plays it, I I, I have to say though, I he's played two champions in his career really, really well. Jana and Alistar. Until I see him play a really, really good poppy, that I have to hold that questionable. I, I will say this. I think one of the reasons that that's true is because he has not played since Tom Kench was available. I think that's the other thing you have to take into account. And when you're spending three bands on a support, you're done. I think you're overestimating Tom Kench. Tom Kench's disengaged potential. Yeah, it's great that he can pull some, pull one person out, but the way Wild Turtle kind of works, he's not. Jana's monsoon is a pretty long range. Jana's tornado is a pretty long range. Tom Kench, you literally have to be right in the back pocket of your eighty carry, and he did show some problems when playing Alistar last year of staying next to Apollo. He would get a little too far forward when he's playing tanks, and maybe that helps if Wild Turtle is that far forward with him, but I wouldn't want to be rewarding Wild Turtle for playing so super aggressively, if well, that makes any sense. No, that's, that's fine. Look, you, you don't want to take that risk. Uh, that's fine with me. I'm feeling if, – if I see him lock in Tom Kench, I'm feeling pretty good about it. That's not okay. a concern. I'm not that's concerned fair. about this. I think, uh, I think Adrian finds a way. But – we should move on to another team that has started to find a way. Certainly a team that you know we had a lot of high hopes for going into the season. Uh, it was obviously going to take some time just because super teams like this, uh, for lack of a better phrase, uh, usually take some time to get used to how they all play together. And that is, of course, TSM. Uh, we already talked about their game with Immortals a little bit, uh, but I think it's time to talk about the other side of it. Because it was a great example of what TSM does really poorly right now. So, Walter, I'm going to turn the floor over to you because you are a resident TSM fan. Uh, you are someone who is far more invested in these games uh, when they go wrong than I am. So I'm just going to turn it over to you. Talk me through your thoughts as you watch this game against Immortals. So I was very impressed with Haunters. I think they're consistently pulling Dyrus, putting him in Dyrus level situations where they're basically telling him to go on an island where he's already behind and try and make something work. And last week we saw against Liquid that he was doing pretty okay against Lorlo. This week he did really exceptional against Huni in, in a pretty volatile matchup of Poppy versus uh, Fiora. Fiora can very easily parry the, the stun from Poppy and the ultimate. Uh, because there are sound cues and you can kind of visually see the poppy charging at you. So that allows the, the Fiora to stun you and then she can go after you. Uh, but Haunters did great. He, he was dueling Huni uh, exceptionally well and pushing him away from objectives and basically controlling split push. And then he kills him. He kills Huni in the bottom lane. They back off. And then TSM, instead of just baiting Barrett. Instead of just, like, baiting him in and being like, oh, you know, you, your top laner's dead. Like, we'll let our top laner push the inhibitor. Haunter's backs. TSM starts Baron. Haunter's teleports in. An extended team fight happens where the team fight lasts for so long that Huni is able to revive, teleport in. They lose the team. TSM loses the team fight. They lose the Baron. They lose the game. Why? Why, <laughs> when your top laner is styling on his opponent in split pushing are are you not just sticking to the split push there was no reason to fight for baron there go top lane just keep pushing in just keep keep those four guys on you keep rain over near you granted you're never going to disengage an olaf like you're never ever going to disengage immortals composition 
It's Lysandra, it's it, it's quirky, it's Olaf. You can bromalt that, but I, nothing's going to happen. So leave Poppy in the 1v1 against Fiora that she's crushing. Don't try and make it about a team fight. Yeah. Come on, man. Especially a team fight in closed corridors, which is the other thing you really have to keep in mind, right? I mean, so much of this TSM team relies on mobility. You've got Ari with her ability to dash and, and deal damage with her ult. You've got, uh, you know, Caitlyn who benefits from having long range and being able to poke from afar. You've got Lee Sin who obviously is the mobility jungler. Uh, and then you lock them all in a tight Baron pit where immortals can just throw out all of their poke damage and you know everything they have at them and you can't escape i it was a really really terrible call and and possibly the worst one i've seen uh this year and i understand you know people will say oh but echo fox uh that's fair uh i i haven't been able to make my way through a full echo fox game yet so i'm not going to claim anything here uh but at the same time this is a game that really mattered, and this was a winnable game, and I think that does raise my definition of what is and is not okay as far as calls are concerned. And it was one of those plays that had such a high risk and such little reward. I mean, best case scenario, let's say TSM gets the Baron. They still all get killed trying to get out of the pit. Yeah. I mean, what's their exit strategy? The blue base is the opposite. Like, you can't just flash over the Baron wall. That's red side. You're still screwed. I, I don't know what their plan was. I, I it's honestly it's almost unfathomable to me that they would make that call. And I, I was thinking about it like maybe they just felt like Fiora was eventually going to turn that split push around on Poppy because Fiora is such a great split pusher, and, and Poppy is not you know the same kind of duelist. Not not when Poppy had she had Sunfire Cape and. Iceborne Gauntlets and was almost done with Thornmail at that oh, point. Oh, oh, let me be clear. It was the wrong call. I'm just trying <laughs> I can't think of why else they would do it. It it just it was such a weird play. And you know, even after that, uh the game wasn't quite over. It took, you know, the the entirety of the Baron and a few other pushes to really mm-hmm. win this game. But there was there was one more concern I have that I want to bring up before we talk about the positives of TSM's week, and that's Yellow Star. Uh, Walter, what's going on with Yellowstar? Beats me. It <laughs> honestly beats me. Maybe our, maybe our, like, thought of him being this, like, legendary shot caller is just completely wrong, and it just had something to do with living in Europe. I, maybe he still has jet lag from, you know, arriving a month ago. I, I have no clue. I don't understand. He's getting caught out. He's just dying in really stupid positions. I, no clue, man. No clue at all. Don't don't ask me because I haven't seen anything that like actually points to anything fundamentally that he could fix immediately. I I think he's just not used to playing with double lift still, and I think they really need a better name than double yellow. That's a terrible name. It's not great. Uh, <laughs> I I honestly, for me, when you look at Yellow Star, you know, it's one of those things that I don't think we properly recognized when we were doing our preseason rankings and talking about this team. They already had a shot caller. Like, it's not like Yellowstar was going to come in and Bjergsen was suddenly going to say, oh, you know that shot-calling thing I've done for a full two years now and has made me one of the widest known North American players? Uh, I'm going to abandon that now just because some other guy showed up. It was never going to happen. It was always going to be Bjergsen's team, which means that Yellowstar's shot-calling ability was never going to quite be everything that it had been on Fnatic, where he had so much control over what those guys did and kind of a, a high-like role on that Fnatic team, which we'll get to Cloud9 in a bit. You know, he had just so much more of a say of the direction of the team, who was on the team. I mean, you know, let's not forget that when they were rebuilding for Season 5, you know, he chose to stay and he chose to help pick these guys and help scout exactly the kinds of talent he thought he could work with. Mm-hmm. And that's just not where he is right now. No, And to me, all. it almost feels like Maybe he's a better coach slash analyst than he's going to be as a player at this point. Uh, I don't, you know, I'm not willing to throw in the the towel yet. I think he has shown some mechanical proficiencies in the past, and while it hasn't come out so far this year, uh, I think he can get back there. Uh, he's certainly a student of the game, one of the hardest working guys I've ever met within the scene. Mm-hmm. I've had the pleasure of talking to him a couple times, and I'm continually impressed by the guy. But at some point, you know. He's done this for five full years. 
how long do you keep up with a game that fundamentally changes every three weeks and changes on a drastic level at least once a year? But it's not his his mechanics that are falling off. It's, I, is it like not? Because it does seem like his mechanics it's not, are great. It's his decision-making. That's what mm. it's coming down to. Getting caught out isn't necessarily your mechanics. It's your decision-making. It's, it's choosing you the right paths. It's understanding that, oh, if I stand out here, you know, if I stand at this part of the bush and their jungler comes from tri-bush, I'm dead. Like, it, it's things like that where it, I think it's part, he's just not used to playing with this team. And I, mm-hmm. I do think it's going to get better. I still think that him and double lift are trying to figure out exactly how they want to play laning phase. Uh, you know, double lift seems like he still wants to be this huge lane bully. So I think that they finally decide in this game against Dignitas to just play this very lane dominant style that the double lift is used to. And and sure, they didn't kill Apollo in lane, but they really were able to get out to a CS lead. And once they were able to do that and get you know double lift comfortable where he could start roaming and start moving around the map, they started roaming and moving around the map. And there was a, a push in the bot lane, whether it was a tower dive or not, where they they pushed everyone back, they pushed Nar back. And, you know, got a couple kills in the lane and then chased Nara into the jungle. And then all of a sudden, Bjergsen was right there on Syndra rotating. And I think this game in particular was a breakout game. Like, like Haunters had his breakout game against Immortals where he was siling. This game here was Sven Skaren and Bjergsen's breakout game. Sven looked awesome on Graves. Yeah. He was moving around the map really well. He was really controlling the enemy jungle. His ward control was everywhere. He was really keeping... Kira contained. It seemed like anytime Kira wanted to go try and do something, Sven Skarin was either there to prevent him from doing it you know, first, or he was there right behind Kira. He would let Kira engage, and then he's counter-engaging on the back end on Graves, who is a very squishy champion. And, and Bjergsen just styled on Shifter. Like, this, was, this is the Bjergsen that we were hoping we were going to get, this mechanical monster, when that shot-calling pressure was taken off of him. So this feels like a game where Bjergsen finally said, I'm just going to shut up. I'm not going to really say anything. I'm going to focus on my game. I'm going to focus on getting kills. I'm going to focus on my roams. And this is the best that TSM has looked all year. By far. It, uh, it was so much fun to watch. And I say that as just a, a guy who likes the game. You know, as a TSM fan, I'm sure you were ecstatic. But just seeing what this team could be when they understand what their win conditions are and how they have to work as a unit because honestly, to me, I think that was the most frustrating part of their game against Immortals. You know, like you said, you have to attack Adrian. You have to do a better job of, you know, taking advantage of your Haunter plays. It really did feel like they just didn't know what to do. And against Dignitas, they knew exactly what to do. And they followed it. It was almost like just a ch- like a checklist, you know, just going mark after mark. Step one, uh, make Billy Boss hate himself forever stepping on the LCS stage. Check. We're just going to gank him over and over again. We're going to get Hanser going early, so he's just a lane bully. We're going to get Sven Skaren getting a couple kills early, so that now he can get to step two, which is counter jungle the. I'm, and I'm going to bleed myself here. Counter jungle the sh out of Kire. I mean, he just made it. Kire might as well not have been in this game because Kire yeah. had no chance to do yeah. anything useful for his team. Uh, Rexai is usually someone who's going to provide a lot of vision. He was barely getting vision in his own jungle, let alone the TSM side of the map. That was not great. Uh, step three, uh, now that you've nullified those two, remember that you're going up against a mid laner who has no mobility in their kit. Gee, I guess now this is just a free stun target for Syndra. And yeah. they just, you know, and, and step four was just put all of these pieces together. So Poppy gets the initiation, uh, Syndra gets the stun, and then Graves just starts blasting them with shotgun damage. And it was over. And every single fight played out that way. And they had taken such a good stride towards making sure that the guys who needed to be in power were already there. And then they just trusted Bjergsen and Doublelift to kind of, you know, do their part, which they were more than able to do because they're both really good at the game. Now, I got to ask you this, Walter, uh, you know, both as as a TSM fan and as an analyst, do you think that this idea of playing through Hauntzer and kind of letting the resources trickle down from there is the way that TSM should move forward? So this team kind of reminds me of Cloud9, like in season three and season four, where Meteos would get one or two ganks off for balls, get him a lead, and then would leave him alone. 
And then they would then he would play through the rest of the map because his laners were strong enough to hold their own during like you know the first five to ten minutes while he's getting those ganks off top lane. And that balls was really the pivot point for the entire team. He was the one that was landing the rumble ultimates. He was the one that was coming in with great Shen teleports or using his utility in the top lane to lock up people on tanks. Like I think that's the way TSM needs to go back and look and play Sven very much like season three Meteos, where it's very intelligent, farm up, farm up, go get that top dink top lane so that Haunters, even with no resources, he can take care of himself. And if you give him that just little push as we saw against Immortals, he can beat any top laner in North America. And, and we're basically saying Hooney is the best top laner in North America. All you CLG fanboys can shut up because Darshan isn't. But Hooney and Impact are the two best top laners in North America, and we'll get to see Haunters against Impact this week. So if you give him that little nudge to give him that little bit of an advantage that he can take and control his lane opponent, as he did against Immortals, then it's just about making smart rotational play around the rest of the map and making sure that Doublelift and, and Bjergsen can scale out of their laning phase into team fights and get the kills and be well well protected in the team fights. And I love using this phrase all of a sudden, but skirt around the edge of them and clean them up. Mm-hmm. And that's what it comes down to. If you get Haunters that little bit of a lead, he's shown us that he can control his lane opponent. Even if you even if you, you know, ding him and he screw up a laning phase, he showed that he could kind of match up against Darshan in the first game of the uh, LCS. Granted, it wasn't great. It's a Mundo into a Fior- into a Jax matchup. It's not amazing because Jax just free farmed, but he showed he could give some pushback. Against Lorlo, again, they screw up the lane swap, and he's still able to kind of hold that gnar and it was really more about team fights than it was any sort of split push so if you give him that one gank and you give him that one little kill to get him ahead or that little bit of space to build up a cs lead i think that's the key to their their entire identity and their entire success get the utility top laner that little bit of an edge and then he can help the rest of the team succeed yeah, no, I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, first of all, I want to give you a shout out for finding a way to anger CLG fans during a week where we're not even talking about them as one of our main features. I, like and, you said, resident TSM fan, it just it just it just gets pulled out of you. <laughs> I, uh, I so you know when you look at TSM, I, I think that you absolutely nailed it on the head. I'd love to see more being done with that Svenskaren Haunter synergy. It does feel like when you let Svenskaren gank that top lane and build up a little bit of comfort that. He then translates that to a much more comfortable, aggressive game overall, which is really where you want him to be. Uh, I think the double lift and yellow star are a lot better when you're not putting too much of the game on their shoulders. It does, you know, double lift went one zero three in that game against against Dignitas, and that was fine. Uh, we didn't need any more from double lift in that game. He did everything they needed to do, and. It's kind of incredible that we're at a point where double lift can be a utility AD carry, but you know, honestly, you, you let the rest of this kind of trickle down and you let the guys that you know are going to be solid no matter what take care of business. And surprisingly, that tends to work out pretty well. Uh, but we're going to move on to a team that surprisingly hasn't worked out as well as maybe a lot of people, including us, imagined they would. Uh, and that would be Cloud9. Now, to, to be fair, we didn't expect to see Buddy Foo for this split that's, at all. That's ever. also true. He shouldn't have played a single game this split. I, I, yeah. Well, and uh, let's start here. Are you? Are we really sure that Bunny Fufu is a hundred percent explainable for all of the bad losses that Cloud9 has had so far? Like, man, because <sighs> if you listen to a cast, it is all about how. Uh, Bunny Fufu doesn't know how to shot call, and High knows how to shot call because High is a shot caller. Did you know that High's a shot caller? Because he's a shot caller. And Kurt plays with a trackball. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> That's the only thing that there's ever to talk about when either of those two players are playing. Wait, uh, does Kurt play with a trackball? Are you sure? That's really cool and interesting. I think he plays with a trackball. I think he plays with a trackball, and it allows him to – he can spin the ball on his mouse and position his skill shot so much faster than people can with a regular mouse. It's crazy. Wow. Sidebar. Um, <laughs> it's really unusual, and I haven't taken enough time to really dive into it because four games isn't a great sample size. But they, the, the team as a whole doesn't seem very directed when they're playing without – Hi, hi. I guess seems to be this very micro intensive shot caller where he's basically telling everyone what to do. I haven't 
heard their full comms, so I can't confirm that. But it seems like the two games without High, Rush in particular, has been very... His head's like lost in the clouds. He's very kind of floaty about his movements. It's not very succinct. It's, you know, he's kind of walking in circles sometimes. It's There's no, like, directness. There's no plan you know there's no very obvious plan of in his movements he seems very floaty so when high plays rush turns into this different person where he is constantly moving somewhere he's constantly doing something he, he is moving with purpose mm-hmm. he's moving to place award he's moving to get scuttle crab he's moving you know he, they know award someplace so he moves into it to get vision and then he ducks out of it into the enemy jungler ducks back into the river and you see you know two laners back off because they don't know where rush is i don't know what it is it's Jordan's secret stuff. It's Michael Jordan's shoes and like Mike. I don't know what high is, but he's a safety blanket. He's a pacifier. He's something that when he is in the lineup, the players play better. And I can't explain why. I can't. It, it's so fascinating to me just to see how many things change when he's not in. Uh, you're absolutely right on Rush. And I think that's the most easy example to point to. But I have other problems that you can't just explain away with Bunny Fufu. For example, what was Cloud9's draft against Impulse? What, what was that? What was the goal of it? Why was Jensen on a mid lane Ezreal when he clearly doesn't know how to play the champion well? And he was going up against a Lulu that was always going to be able to basically shield away any poke that he ever managed to do. That was his counter pick. He could have done literally anything. And he played this Ezreal that just did nothing for this team. Why can't Jensen play Ezreal? That's a great question. It's not like we haven't seen him play similar poke champions in the past, but he looked completely lost. Ez- Ezreal's just entirely different from other poke champions, though. He just has a different like feel and play style to him. Right, but they didn't have to pick him with the counter pick there. He could have been anything. The Lulu had been locked since round one. You you knew that it was either going to be Lulu or Lissandra, and Ezreal's bad against both. I, so what I, was I, the point of that? I think they got caught with having a Nidalee, and Nidalee really isn't good at the moment outside of uh, Siege compositions. Welcome to my second problem with the draft. Why Nidalee? I, I don't know. <laughs> they, they, they don't do these mistakes when High is in the game, and that's kind of what was weird to me. Is, like, is, is High also the coach, and we just don't know it? Does, is Lemon Nation's notebook secretly High's, and he just kind of steals it to get credit during a... During any of those highlights? Like, I don't know what else to say at this point. I get that there are some things that you can point to and say, High probably does this better. Balls' teleports in that game against Impulse? Probably more on point if High is in the game. But at the same time, none of that explains why sneaky split pushing was so much less effective because for whatever reason, no one realized that, hey, maybe if we send some resources down towards the lane he's going in, instead of constantly just forcing him to kind of switch between top and bottom and never really accomplish anything in both, I, it just, you know, how does MASH end up 7, 1, and 3? I don't care what your team composition is. How does MASH end up 7, 1, and 3? I, this, this is the, the weird part for me. And, you're right. You can't explain all of it. But you know what we can say? Man, when they look good, they look really good. Because they just eviscerated CLG like CLG wasn't even on the map. What, what did I say yesterday? What did I say the way to beat CounterLogic Gaming is? Somebody repeat it for me, please. Someone, right now. Chase, repeat uh, it for me. Do, does it involve stopping Darshan? Oh my freaking Jesus. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Go after Darshan. I don't know how many times I have to say it. And they did. And those three kills and like those assists that you see are just gangplank being gangplank by the time they got into into like a team fight phase later into the game. And my favorite moment that god damn it, it encapsulates this high shot calling narrative. If you listen to Mike Check from week two, there is a moment, and the moment is when they catch Darshan under his inhibitor tower. And the Cloud9 comms are dead silent. You can hear a pin drop. You can hear somebody coughing in the audience. And all of a sudden, you hear this very crisp sentence from High. Does GP have flash? Instantly, three people say no. And he says go. And he just flashes under Darshan, headbutts, uh, pulverized, headbutts him out of the tower. Cloud9 kills him. And then they, end the, they, they get an inhibitor. And then from there, they snowball the rest of the game. Yeah. 
I hate the narrative. I hate that we're literally bowing down to High as being this fantastic, amazing shot caller when he's never been an amazing mechanical player in his position. But God damn it, it's right there. <laughs> it's there in black and white on a YouTube video on LOL Esports' channel. It's incredible. And honestly, I, I think it says two things. Uh, one, it says a lot about how High has developed this understanding of the game and an understanding of what his teammates are relying upon as information that's going to push them forward. Um, it's very, very interesting just to see how much of a difference it does make when somebody is at least making that call. You know, Rush was so much more effective this game because it seemed like he had some guidance on where he should be because someone knew where he should be. And Impact was probably that guy on Impulse. And now High is that guy, which has been, you know, more fun to see. You know, Jensen was put on a much more comfortable champion for him. They didn't mind giving Huhi the counterpick if it meant putting Jensen somewhere where he was comfortable. And look how much better that was. Uh, you know, these all seem like common sense things, which brings me to my second point, And this is what I really want to end on with Cloud9. Is their infrastructure just secretly terrible? Like, I don't know how else to explain the fact that we have four guys who are dead silent in comms, which no other team is like that, by the way. If you listen to any of these other, you know, mic checks that they do, it's having one guy be the entire voice is uh, not a thing that you see in any other organization. Is this a Cloud9 problem? So, so I can tell you that that actually isn't a problem. Um, I know from Smite, from Cognitive Smite teams, and their their owner David Fry, who I, I'm friends with, has told me in the past that his two teams in season one had two diff- different shot calling styles, and I don't remember which team did which. But one team was the very stereotypical. Everyone's talking. It might not necessarily be important to the game, but there's always communication. Somebody's always talking. It's always very kind of cluttered, but everybody's you know everybody's making a point. It's all going, and there's constant communication, like we see with everyone else in team fights when it gets crazy. And the other team was very quiet, other than one person making all the shot calling. And there would be little, little tiny little comments here, like, oh, you know, this ability is down, this ability is down, oh, this person back, there's a ward here. Very small little things. It can work in the right situations. And if Hyde is this, this singular voice for their team where they totally trust him 100% because he seems very, very decisive, um, that's great. That's awesome. It's awesome if it's quiet because that means everybody on that team understands that when one person makes a statement and one person says to do something, everybody's going to do that one thing. There's no disagreement. There's no hesitation. If High says engage, everybody's going to engage. If High says back, everybody's going to back. There's no sort of like High says engage, but Ball says, no, let's back off. I have nothing. Like, I think it's fine. I don't think it's a bad thing. Um, Pick and ban phase might be the major issue where the the support staff around them which is Bubba Dub and Lemonation and a couple of analysts that might be the issue that you point at and say maybe this isn't great but I will say one thing Jack is like Jack loves this team and he will help them with whatever he needs and he is almost always at every one of their games unless unless another one of his teams has like a major tournament and he really cares about this team and this team being successful so I don't think it's that their support staff is bad necessarily I just think it can be improved upon. Well, I'll put it like this, because I, I understand where you're coming from, and I, I do think it's an interesting example of how different teams are going to have different philosophies. But the problem if you only have one guy who's talking is that that guy has to be there 100% of the time. Because none of the other guys are trained in it, none of the other guys are ready for it, and we now see what happens. Oh, there's only one guy that has the ability to make this team good, And that means that, A, uh, there's an obvious weakness to exploit if you're the enemy team. And B, it means that if at any point High says the words, I want to retire now, or, you know, I'm done with League of Legends, whatever it is, because eventually he will say that, Cloud9 has no backup plan. And, you know, I guess this is what you and I thought they were going to be doing at the beginning of the season, where we thought that, you know, Bunny Fufu was just going to ride the bench wasn't going to be a problem. High was going to be teaching him how to shot call during the season. And then Bunny Fufu was going to become that one voice. And they were just going to keep training whoever that next voice was going to be. But they're not doing that. 
They're throwing Bunny Fufu to the wolves and just expecting this team to spontaneously be able to shot call when they've never trained them for it, and none of them are clearly able to do it because none of them have any history or experience of doing it. And that's my bigger problem, and that's why I think it's an organizational failing, because if you as an organization have made the active choice, we have one shot caller, it's the only shot caller we want, we are perfectly competent and capable of letting that one guy handle everything, then you have to play that guy. Then you are understanding by the rules of your own system that you have no choice but to play him, and to do anything else is just ridiculously dumb. And that's my bigger problem. Because the organization, at the very least, should know how silly it is to not play high when he's the only person you've trained a shot call. And that's, that, that, to me, is an organizational failing. But, right, but, but at some point, high is going to retire. Right. So, and, but, but why now? Why not do it at the end of the split? I mean, clearly Bunny's not ready. Yeah, no, no, no. I, but how else are they going to test him? I, I don't have any problem starting Bunny against TIP, but mm-hmm. the fact that it was that bad and he can't, he cannot carry them against what we argue is the worst team in, in the LCS, you know, in LCS history, which they clearly showed us this leak were idiots. <laughs> I have to, I think every analyst has to eat a ton of crow, just like we all have to eat a ton of crow with elements over in Europe. I, they beat Cloud9. Whether it's with Bunny or Heights, a win's a win. Whether they're starting Gate in top lane or Seraph or Fang or whoever, they still they won two games this week. So now we have to take them seriously. Do we? I, I honestly think so because they went two zero this week, and on Sunday, their two players, their two imports, stepped off a plane Saturday night and stepped onto the LCS stage and like totally crushed Renegades without ever having played with the roster or playing extensively with the roster or practicing with them for a multiple number of weeks. It's ridiculous, and we need to take them seriously now. I mean, let's transition this into gambling lines because that's where we really like to talk about these things. We went... 2-1 Two and one last week. Uh, Dignitas minus one hundred five over Renegades. Cloud nine plus one hundred five over CLG. Both winners. We had Dignitas plus two hundred over TSM. That didn't come through. So to be fair, I think we're actually three and one for the week because if you paid attention to my Twitter, the second we saw Perian and Proxen were playing for Impulse, I tweeted out, "Go all in on Impulse. Go in all in on Impulse." So I, I think, in all honesty, we're allowed to say that we were three and one last week well, on, on North America. Well, that's fine. Unfortunately, uh, it wasn't on a podcast, so it doesn't count. And I didn't actually see the line when it w- when you made that recommendation, <laughs> so I can't calculate that. What I can tell you is we're five and one overall on our North American smart money bets with a four hundred seventy one dollar profit. Guys, that's four hundred seventy one dollars you could have if you bet a hundred dollars yep. on every bet we've given you so far. Yep, Just you would saying. have a thousand seventy one dollars right now instead of six hundred. Think about it. Free money, folks. Free Skrilla. We've got Free this. Skrilla. We're, we're we'll on gamble on Alpha Draft. Wait, what? I forgot. We're not Thorin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're God. Let's, let's avoid doing live reads until people actually pay us for live reads. I think that's uh, – as much as I look forward to being able to do them eventually, I think it's, uh, it's one of those wait and see. Uh, the first line is Impulse versus Dignitas. So I, I want to get into this a little bit because when I was looking at this Impulse win – I didn't think they looked good in the early game. Like they, they seemed discombobulated. They, you know, Proxen had a good gank early and then died several times. I felt like Pyrian played a very safe Varus and didn't do anything, you know, harmful to the team. But I don't think he particularly impressed me with any of his plays. And if it's not for Gate being on Gangplank, I don't think this team wins. I, I, I think. Or if they play a team with you know better than Renegades in the late game, which I don't think there's a team worse than Renegades in the late game, other than maybe <laughs> Rocket. Like, what am I missing? Why, why, why should I be so impressed by that kind of win? I'm, I'm more impressed by the by the day one win against Cloud Nine. Yeah, but four which of those guys have weren't the right there. Roster and it was Seraphs. Uh, I mean, I, I have no clue. I don't know if we're if they're going to keep Gate top lane. If Fang's coming back, if they're going to use Seraph instead of Fang, I, I have no clue. Uh, I thought they played pretty well. I think they played to their win win condition very well of having this long range poke composition. And at the end of the day, it kind of came down to some some mistakes by Renegades, particularly Lod, some some positioning mistakes where he got his team caught off guard. Mm-hmm. But I, I, 
Renegades didn't look like they were really playing that well that game either, and you have to give credit where credit is due. Team Impulse won that game and, and played around their composition better than Renegades did. Yeah, I, look, I'll give them that. I, I no longer think they're the worst team in the league. I don't think it makes them good, though. And that's, I, I guess that's the difference. I, I, I look at this and I say, okay, they are still below average, but at least they're competent, which is more than we thought they were going to be. They're not the dumpster fire we predicted. I'm not willing to give them more than that until we get a larger sample size with Purian and Proxy. That's, that's absolutely fair. Absolutely fair. Let's see if the casinos agree. Where do you think the oh line God. is? Oh, God. Oh, God. This is one of the games, isn't it? I, this is one of the games that you taught warned me about the pre-call. I don't know what you're talking about. I certainly would not have told you in the pre-call that there were two games that were so confusing to me. I had to go back and rewatch some highlights to try to figure out what it was I missed. Where do you if think you, the line is, Walter? If you tell me Team Impulse is a favorite here, I'm hanging up this call and I'm never gambling again. You oh went my to God. guess the line, Walter. Dignitas minus 180. Are you? Are you? Okay, oh. I get this one. Now, you don't have to hang up because they're technically not favored. But they and Dignitas have the same odds. It's minus 114 for both teams. I guess Dignitas minus 150, by the way. According to Unicorn.com, Dignitas and Impulse are exactly even teams. I'm done. (laughs) I'm I'm mother bleeping done. Are you... (laughs) Are you kidding me? Why? I, what did they show you? I don't okay. know, man. Whatever. Whatever. This, this, I, they went 2-0 and Dignitas went 0-2. Was that it? I'm, I, 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 I guess. I mean, Dignitas no, one beat one? Renegades. Yeah. yeah, they went 1-1. One one. I, I, look, whatever. I, All right. I okay. guess your answer is Billy Boss looked really bad in Game 2 against TSM. I don't think that Gate is Hauncer, though, so... I'm not going to consider or that they're a concern. Play Fang or Sa- if they pl- here's the problem. If they play Seraph, I consider I would take TIP. If they don't play Seraph, I say Dignitas. I would be shocked if we see Seraph on there again. I think that was a one-time loan. Fair uh, enough. Mostly because they have a top laner on the roster now. They they will play Gate there, and I don't think TDK wants Seraph away from their practice any more than they have to. I think that was a very nice thing for them to do because they have a nice relationship with Impulse. I don't see that happening again. But yeah, I I don't get this. Uh, we were one we, we're one week removed from thinking a lot of really nice things about Dignitas, and I know that you know this wasn't the most impressive week, but they didn't look that bad. I, they didn't look terrible. I didn't think they looked all that terrible against TSM either. They just kind of got they got outplayed. Yes, they just, just blatantly got outplayed. TSM. I can't really call them that. Yeah, TSM just exploited their weaknesses really well. I, I don't know if Impulse is going to do the same. I don't think Impulse has nearly the coordination. But we've got to move on because we could dissect that one line for hours. But we I really have to continue. To. I, uh, need, I need a drink after this. Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> Leave that, please. Holy oh, shit, dude. Yeah, that, I, oh, my God. It's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> don't worry. There's another one. Uh, I know which one it is now. Thank yeah. you so much. Cloud9 versus TSM. Where do you think the line goes? Uh, two teams I, we talked about today, obviously. I, I have Cloud9 at minus 150. Wow. You have Cloud9 favored. Yeah. No love for your own team, man. I'm going to get this one. I said TSM minus 200. It is TSM minus 167. Mm. Why would you not favor TSM in that game? I assumed that the casinos would be all in on the high hype. Yeah, I mean, that's fair, but we also don't know if High is starting on Saturday yet. If High does not start on Saturday, <laughs> they need to take away Jack's team because they are fundamentally doing something wrong. I uh, I don't usually plug uh, other articles or whatever else on here uh, unless I have a you know a personal connection or it's the guest on the show. But if you haven't read Esports Express's article about Cloud9 <laughs> desperately trying to remember something, I don't know what you were doing this week. Yeah. Because I have not read a better article from that site, possibly ever. It was it was absolutely perfect. Yeah, uh, I agree. I, I would full-heartedly agree on that. Uh, Liquid versus NRG. Uh, Liquid obviously still trying to figure out who they are and, and what their identity is. They do have a win now against Echo Fox, but one that you can argue was maybe uh, said more about Echo Fox than it did about Liquid. Meanwhile, NRG... Uh, a win from a forfeit and a tough loss to Immortals last week. Where do you think the line is? I have energy minus 200. 
Okay, we split this one because I said energy minus 200 as well. It is minus 185, which I mm. think is very reasonable. Okay. It's a I think little, it's a little low. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't know. You know, at any point, you just have to factor in, like, Piglet could just go crazy. And Yeah, that's true. It's it's just always in play, and you know the one thing that we can say is GBM has not been a very you know in your face kind of laner. So maybe Phoenix gets some time to to build That's up true. some comfort here. That's it'll fair. it'll fair. be interesting. I, I'd still take energy in that game. I, I wish it was you know either if it was higher than I could feel good about maybe a, a you know a surprising upset. If it was lower than I'd say that energy is an easy grab. Unfortunately, it's just right in that middle there. Uh, CLG versus Echo Fox. One of these teams looks competent, and it's not Echo Fox. <laughs> Where do you think the line is? CLG minus three hundred. Okay, we split this one as well because I said exa- I said minus three hundred. You're uh, pissing me off on being smart here, man. Look, it, I I did better on day one than I did on day two. I think. Thank God. <laughs> but uh, it it I said uh yeah so I said minus three hundred. You said minus three hundred. It is minus three thirty three. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, Echo Fox doesn't have Froggen, so I don't care until we at least have have Keith. They have Golden Glue. They have Keith. Keith was really good against Liquid. You laugh about Keith, but Keith actually won Xenon, one of uh, our fantasy LCS games. Which, I I know no one ever wants to hear about someone else's fantasy team, but I'd like to point out that I have like the third highest average score and I'm 0-2. And I'm the only person in our league to have lost two games. You, you know what? Cry about it because I've had impact and mood and get ganked by mom uh, both weeks. So I don't want to hear it. I, hey, they went 2-0 the first week. Well, they, but they missed one game. Yeah, I see where you're coming <laughs> from. But, but you're 1-1. One one. I, got, I got beat by Snoopy when I would, have had, I would have won literally any other matchup last week except for the one I was in. And it gives Snoopy a win, which I just I wasn't ready to have happen yet. That, that wasn't <laughs> – I'm already looking to next year, which is just not where you want to be in fantasy. You can tell your grandkids that you once lost to Snoop, eh? And you don't have to tell them in what. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's very true. Hey, I can say I played a game with Snoop, too. I, you know. Yeah. I don't yeah. have to explain the Shout context Shout-out to Snoop. Shout-out to Snoop. <laughs> Shout-out to Snoop, indeed. Immortals versus Renegades. Uh, we don't really need to break this one down analytically, I don't think. Where do you think no, the line oh, is? Oh, ab- absolutely not. Uh, Immortals minus 350. Okay, you went too low. I said uh, minus 400. It is minus 435. God damn it. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see. I, I, hate, I hate high lines. I hate high lines. <laughs> I hate them. I, I just hate them. Yeah, I, I never get the high. I never get the super high ones. Well, you should talk to Cloud9 about it because they're pretty good at, uh, at getting high in order. Uh, yeah, you know Sneaky and Medios. <laughs> They like to wake up in the morning and bake their favorite <laughs> treats. It's one of my favorite things about them. It's a real quote. I swear to God. We've mentioned this before. It is a real quote. Just go check it out. It's, a, it's a worth every second you'll spend on that interview. Yes. Uh, we're on to day two. Liquid versus Impulse. I, I think you already know where this is going. God damn it. But what, what was minus 150. Okay, God. we split this one. Damn it. I also, which I don't quite win the week yet, but it's Pretty much it's impossible for you to go forward because I have one that's almost exact. So you're really going to have to be on your A game. Wonderful. This is uh, just fantastic. <laughs> I said minus 150 as well. It is minus 132. Impulse has even odds. Just move on. I don't want to spend any time. Can, um, I, can I ask another question? Why are sure. we thinking that Liquid is better than Dignitas? Because Dignitas and Impulse are both at the same place. And Liquid is actually favored over Impulse. So why do we believe that Liquid is better than Dignitas? What evidence do we have to point to that? None. <laughs> okay, good. As long as we agree. Move, moving on. I don't, I, don't, I don't have any follow-up. I just wanted to know. <laughs> None. Uh, I, I have, no, they aren't. That, plain and simple, they aren't. Move on. Next up, NRG versus TSM. Game of the week, I think, in North America. Uh, two teams that are really trying to prove that they deserve to be seen as a power in the region. Walter, where do you think the line is on this game? I have the line TSM minus 150. Okay, you get this one. Uh, I said TSM minus 130. It is TSM minus 143. And you know, I know your problem there. Yeah. Is you're underestimating the TSM fanboys. I am. That was my bad. 
Uh, is it wrong that I'm looking at energy plus 110 and getting really excited about it? Oh, absolutely not. Okay. Absolutely not. I, we'll, we'll get back to this. I mean, I understand that we probably have two places we already want to go, but yeah. let's go back to this. <laughs> Dignitas versus Cloud9. I, again, we don't know who the support's going to be. You got to think it's going to be high. Where do you think the line is here? Cloud9 minus 175. Okay, you get this one as well. Uh, I said minus 130. It is minus 192. Okay. There's, I, there's a little value here for Dignitas. Yeah, there's some. I, I you know, Honestly, I, I think the problem is we just saw what Cloud9 can do when they have Rush on lockdown. And we just saw that Kire and Billy Boss have no idea what to do when an aggressive jungler is in their face. Yeah. That's why I, I don't want to take Dig here. Because if, if Rush is playing like we know Rush can play, this game is over before it starts. That's, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, I, if you're Dignitas, you just ban every aggressive... You just ban, like, Graves, Nidalee, just anything aggressive that can the, come in and kill you. The problem is then you're taking it out of Kyrie's champion pool, too. Yeah, but your first pick. So you first pick like a Rek'Sai. I'd first pick the Elise. I'd that's leave fair. the Elise up and first pick Elise. Yeah, no, that's reasonable. Because um, it, those be are the only two. The two. The two games Cloud Nine is one with high also rushes on Elise. There is something to be said for that. I'm. I'm go. looking forward to seeing how Raz handles it. I've liked yeah. Raz's picks and bands of nothing. Yes, else. agreed. Uh, Echo Fox versus Immortals. Probably the game that needs the least amount of analysis. <laughs> going into it where do you think the line is i'm too low immortals minus 400 okay you are too low but you're the same low that i am which unfortunately means that we split it you're down one but i got mine nearly exactly so there's god it's gonna be tough but i said minus 400 it is minus 625 Okay. I, I still don't take Echo Fox at plus 390. Oh, absolutely not. I'm not sure how high you have to make that line before I even consider it, but it's not high enough. Yeah, that's and it, fair. And it probably makes no sense for the casino to put it that high. So, sorry, sorry, Echo Fox. Actually, I do wonder who's taking Echo Fox at plus 390 to keep that stable. Because that line should just go way up as this keeps going. Uh, but we got one more game left. CLG versus Renegades. Obviously, they're going to be missing Freeze still this week. Where do you think the line is, Walter? Can you nail this? No. CLG minus 200. Okay. You did not. So I'm going to win this. I said minus 300. It's minus 303. Mm, I mean, we don't necessarily know that Freeze isn't back this week yet. We don't know that. They haven't said that. It would be very, very surprising if he was able to get a work visa within a week. Especially given that the fact that they just caught him working without a work visa probably complicates the re-entry. Yeah, still, North America is a lot easier than Germany. Oh, un- undoubtedly. Uh, it's, certainly, I would love to see him back. I'm not sure I'm willing to make one of my smart money bets based on whether or not he does come back. <laughs> no, Especially when we not. already have three great ones. Like, for example... Dignitas minus 114 over uh, Impulse. We yes, can do I that. I think right? that's a great one. I think that's a great one. What about Liquid minus 132 over Impulse? I, I like that one as well, actually. Yeah, I mean, I just... I'm not sure that Impulse is actually good. I think Renegades just might be that lost right now. Uh, and also, you know, just a side note. Um, Remy... Are you okay? Like, are are you feeling okay? Do you have a, do you have a headache or, or something? Because I've never seen your positioning as off as it was in your game against Impulse this week. I mean, that I, was, that... I have, I have actually. Oh no, <laughs> I have. Her, her positioning can get very poor if she's not paying attention. It's very disappointing that she had had a, a game that was that poorly positioned. It it was not fun to watch as a as a Renegades fan, as someone who bought into the hype. Sadly enough, because of the freeze intro video, and now I don't even get to watch him play. But even so, I, I consider that a concern. Um, I, I'm looking at energy plus one ten over TSM, and I feel pretty good about it. I I, I know that's not a, as fun a pick for you, but I mean, I I I still think that's the best one. I do we think C- Cloud Nine beats TSM? That might be a little bit better. Uh, Cloud9 beats TSM? That's plus 125? 
I, that I, actually, I, I don't mind one that. Of those two, but I think Energy beating TSM is more likely than Cloud9 beating TSM. I could see TSM going 0-2 this week, too. Like, that's... Well, that's kind of where I'm coming from on this. Is I, I don't think that they are willing to play Bunny Fufu against TSM. No, I think you could high both games. And if you're assuming that high is going to play, I think that if you catch TSM unawares on things like lane swaps, which high is very good at doing, mm-hmm. uh, sending rush towards the top laner and throwing Hauntzer off in the early game and forcing him to kind of fight his way back, mm-hmm. this seems like the kind of thing that Cloud9 is really good at. Whereas even with energy, just on a stylistic perspective, you know, GBM is more likely to let Bjergsen farm up and get to where he wants to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, Impact is going to be very happy with that one-on-one, so he's not going to be calling for as many moon ganks, I don't think. Yeah, uh, I, I like that uh, Cloud9 uh, plus one on twenty-five. Oh, you like you like Cloud Nine over TSM over? Energy. Yeah, I do. I, okay. I think uh, on a just pure logistics standpoint, the way these teams like to play the game, I think Cloud Nine when they play well is wired to beat a team like TSM. Okay. Whereas I, I feel like NRG, it's going to be more of two different play styles. You know, in in which one executes better? I think Cloud Nine might be able to directly counter what TSM wants to do. If they play high. So those are smart money bets. Uh, Just one more time. Dignitas minus 114 over Impulse. Cloud9 plus 125 over TSM. And Liquid minus 132 over Impulse. Enjoy that sweet, sweet overreaction to Impulse this week, ladies and gentlemen, because it is a rare treat that we do not always get to enjoy. But that is a podcast. And unlike those rare treats that the casinos give us, these are plentiful and you should definitely stick to soundcloud.com slash esports rough drafts or search rough drafts on iTunes in order to make sure that you catch every single one we have going your way. We wanted to have an interview for you guys this week. I'm hoping we can get it done next week. I'm still talking with a few people trying to iron some things out, uh, thinking about getting one of our our favorite recurring guests onto the show. So stay tuned for any of that stuff. Obviously, EU previews come out on Wednesday. North America previews come out on Friday. So you can always come back for that. And you should follow us on Twitter. I am at RedshirtKing on Twitter. Walter, where can they find you and your content? You guys can find me at C80s underscore LOL and at medium.com backslash Slingshot Esports. Awesome. So everyone, now that you have this amazing gambling information that has worked so well for us so far. Uh, We will leave you to it. And uh, until next time, goodbye, Internet.